Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. That used to be the code on my radio shows for years that tells you how many guests I have. Welcome to Technology Revolution, fondly known as TechRev, talking about one of my favorite topics. And there used to be a song. I always promise myself I won't sing on live radio, but I might have to. There was a song. It might have been Rogers and Hart, if anybody's still alive who remembers them. And the song was, If You Asked Me, I Could Write a Book. And it was a romantic. Barbara, do you remember that? Dale? Eddie? Jeff might be too young. I don't know. Anyway, so our topic, I love to talk with authors, and our topic today is a revisit of what we've been talking about, the future of self-publishing. I could write a book, part three. So let me give you a little background here before I open. And we will have a wonderful sponsor today. NordVPN is with us. And I've got a special offer for all of you. So stick around for that. So here's the buzz from Izzard, Inc., I-Z-Z-A-R-D-I-N-K.com. Ten years ago, eBooks. You know what those are. They come in PDFs. They come downloadable. It's not a physical book. It's a digital book. Ebooks made up less than 1% of the trade book market. Traditional publishers, however, have lost their iron grip they once had on the industry. Successful major authors are even choosing to self-publish. Let that sink in for a second. Buzz number two. This is from a research study done by Global English Editing and Written Word Media. I know that's a mouthful. I have a couple of facts to share, and this may surprise my guests today. 66% of readers they surveyed around the world said print, reading a print book, holding a book, offers a more fulfilling and unique reading experience. Interesting. I saw some eyebrows raised up. 1.5 million book titles were published last year in 2021, and printed book sales were up by 18.5% in the first half. Interesting. That might surprise Eddie, one of our, our publisher on the panel today. Ebooks generated 9% of the $26 billion total book revenue last year, but print outsold ebooks four to one. Interesting. I think there's a trend here. Romance is still the most profitable fiction genre in the world. Crime and mystery, aha, comes in second place. And in the nonfiction genre, top of popularity, religious and inspirational titles. So I'm going to call out the names of my guests and then they'll introduce themselves. Raise your hand and wave when I call you Barbara Epic Struna. Hello, Barbara. Welcome back. So happy to see you. I know you're busy. Thanks for taking the time again. We have fiction ghostwriter and writing coach Jeff Deck, who says one of his clients, and he co-wrote, co-wrote a book, and they're about to drop it in a couple days. Happy to hear that, Jeff. You'll tell us about that. If you want to, indie writer Dale T. Phillips. Hello, Dale. You're on so often, I just can't believe it. It's, oh, we couldn't do a show on writing without Dale. And we couldn't do a show on writing without Eddie Vincent. Eddie at In Circle Publishing, E-N Circle. Thank you very much. And I'm going to ask them for their take on the future of self-publishing. I could write a book. Part three. So let's get going and welcome to our viewers. Everybody wave to LinkedIn. My panel, wave hello to LinkedIn. I think we're on Facebook, but it's not loading for me. So hello, Facebook. And if you're seeing the closed captions, we'll probably we'll try to keep it clean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they got that. I'm the warm-up comic as well. So no promises. <laughs> I I know with you, Dale. I know how well behaved you're trying to be. 
Barbara, I'm putting you on speaker view. Welcome back. I'm always so honored to have you on the show. I'd love to hear an update from you. Just in case, Barbara, there are maybe six people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on. Shame on them. Barbara, bring them up to date. What have you been up to? Take about three minutes. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here. And uh, my husband and I, let me just real quick, my husband and I moved to Cape Cod in the late 80s. And we, we dragged our three screaming teenagers with us and moved them into an old 1890 house that had a lot of problems and secrets. Then I had two more children. And at that point, I said, I think with all the history around me, I can write a book, which I started. And by 2013, I was uh, traditionally published with a small press. And, uh, and that was the first two books. And then they closed. And by the time the third book was about ready to go, I was on my own and I had to become self-published in 30 days, which I did. So um, I was very happy. I'm on my fourth. I'm writing my fifth book now. The fourth one is all is it came out last year, the old Cape Blood Ruby. And uh, I'm happy to say I've sold almost 40,000 books between the four in ebook and paperback combined. And I've gotten some awards on my own. And um, with the help of the publisher, though, I was able to become, I did six book bubs with my first books, which really took me over the top. What, what is a book bub? To, what is that? Book bub, book bub is a special promotional program. And it's very hard to get into. And they just push it out to all these people. Within 24 hours, I had sold 3,000 books. And so that's the kind of a publicity. And I became number one in uh, UK, Canada, and the United States with those, with those programs. So that was a great push. So um, it's, it's, I'm still here self-publishing. And uh, not that I'm getting tired, but I, I'm still here. So I'm on Cape Cod and I write about historical fiction using alternating chapters back and forth. Modern day heroine, she finds a clue. The next chapter, I take you to that time period. Very interesting. Barbara, how many hours a day, if I may ask, how many hours a day or, or what time of day do you write? Just curious. I uh, usually start about 1030. I'm not really an early person. And then I quit, though. I stop around 5, 430. And that's okay. just about every day. I check my social stats three times a day. I'm always looking, checking. I just finished uh, my second book trailer using iMovie by myself. So it's going to go out later tonight. I'm not happy with the soundtrack. <laughs> so I'm going to redo the soundtrack and I'm learning and everything. And that's almost what you have to do. Everything yourself. Yes. iMovie is a learning experience. I yeah. tried it years ago, couldn't get through it. And now I use it. I do some professional editing for some of my clients for their right. videos. And Once I'm very comfortable. Yes, I'm very comfortable with it. And I had to learn to separate audio from video in an iMovie I was editing where I needed to submit just the audio for a transcript. Mm -hmm. And it's attached. The audio has a little green line right. when you take the clip attached to the video. So you can't just delete the video because the audio goes away. So the trick I learned is to make a copy of the audio and copy it below in a second line, then Drag the, cur drag the cursor across and make a copy of just that audio line, all those pieces that put together, and then delete the whole thing, open a new iMovie file, and then just paste in the audio. 
It worked like a charm, but it took me about two hours and a lot of YouTube videos to figure it out, and they don't tell you how to do that. So anyway, thank you, Barbara. Wonderful, and congratulations, and my people say mazel tov on your success. Very impressive numbers. Yes, Dale's clapping for you, and we all are. That's quite the story. I love the kicking and screaming teenagers going to the house in Cape Cod. I thought that was pretty cool to to admit that. I hope, I'm sure they're very proud of, of you. Jeff Deck, you're up next. Jeff, welcome. I know you're busy. You can tell us a little bit about what you've been up to, and you told me you've got a book coming out in a couple of days. How exciting is that? Jeff, talk yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, collaborated on a, uh, on a book that's uh, a little change of pace from what I normally work on, um, a, uh, a memoir. Uh, and the main author of this um, is, uh, is no longer with us, um, but his, uh, uh, his sister wanted to finish his, uh, his memoir and enlisted my help to do that. Um, so the book is called uh, We Got This Kids, a real-time and raw glimpse into alcoholism, depression, and loss during a search for more sunrises. And is uh, you know, uh, you know, trigger warning, there's, you know, the themes of, of uh, suicide and mental illness and, uh, uh, you know, substance uh, addiction, um, but it's a really powerful story. And uh, I, I feel like it could help a lot of people. So you work as a ghostwriter, a collaborator. What what percent of what you do is that, Jeff? Is that what you look for as people to help them write books, or do you write on your own? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I do both. I mean, I I have my own uh, novels, uh, you know, coming out frequently. Um, a large portion of my actual business is uh, is collaborating with other authors. Um, I'm working on launching like a new offer for for authors uh, to help them write the first draft of their novel fast. Like right now I'm experimenting with just how fast I could write a first draft of a novel based on a detailed questionnaire from the client. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but you know, speed is, uh, is, is, is a good offering. I feel like a lot of people are looking to get something done faster. Very, very interesting. And how many hours a day do you spend at your craft? If I may ask. Uh, all of them. I don't. I don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. No, I, I try to keep it within the confines confines of a of a regular workday, but uh, you know, it uh, it slips a little or a lot sometimes. Good yeah. luck with that. I don't know what a regular workday is anymore. Um, I, I, as you probably remember, all of you are just a little bit. Uh, I started a novel about six months ago, and I had so much fun with it, but I couldn't figure out how to create the the scene where the person actually killed the person who he probably didn't really kill, but it looked like he did. And I never could could grasp that, and I walked away from it. I had so much fun with the funny parts. It's it's a it's a satire with a little murder mystery thrown in, and I just haven't figured out how to make that happen. So if you have any suggestions for me, Jeff, offline, I would I would love. I need to kickstart just that little tiny nugget in the book to finish it. And it's just going to be a, a novella. It's going to be about, oh, 30,000 words. It's, I'm not going to write a 500-page novel. But anyway, I had so much fun, and I enjoyed it. And I just can't get back into that one missing piece. So yeah. maybe, maybe you could help me with that. And I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Dale T. Phillips, you're back. My goodness gracious, how many times a year are you on my show? <laughs> Always nice to see you love the black turtleneck. Dale, update us, please. What have you been up to since, I don't know, what, three weeks ago you were on another show with me? I don't know, one of the year-end shows. Dale, welcome back, welcome back. Update us, please. Go ahead. 
Thank you, Bonnie. Yes, I'm working on my uh, 10th novel, uh, which is part of one of my original goals, and I'm working to get more stories out. I'd love to to make the century mark of 100 published stories, and I'm uh, closing in on that and trying to get more, more of those done. And those were part of my original goal. I said, when I have 10 published stories, I mean, uh, 10 published novels, 100 published stories, and 10 story collections, I will consider myself a legitimate, very legitimate writer. And you though I had, now, though. Though, I, though I had an agent, uh, I went that route, uh, and I had interest in New York. Then I went with small presses uh, because I wasn't quite ready to do it myself. But after a while, I found that I could do everything that a small press, sorry, Eddie, that most small presses uh, could do and do it with a lot more profit, with a lot faster, and with fewer mistakes. And so when you call it self-publishing, it's not always self because what it is is you're choosing your team. You're choosing your editor. You're choosing your cover designer. You're choosing your formatter. You're choosing your distribution models. When you sign with a publisher, they do most of that. Except nowadays, they still expect you to do a lot of the promotion yourself. So if you can learn how to do that, which now it's easier with tools, you can move forward independently. Interesting. So self-publishing, you're saying, is you're still doing the work, but you're... It could be self-directed publishing or self-directed. Self yes, you're in like charge that? of your career. You get to choose the content, the price, everything about your business. I mean, if you turn over your business into the hands of someone else, well, <laughs> that can be good or bad. So, so it goes. So it goes. Interesting. We're now in the period of what they call the great resignation, people leaving jobs in droves, and maybe people are moving into more self-directed everything, including publishing. We're going to talk to our publisher on the panel. Eddie Vincent, how the heck are you? Talk to me. How's business? Let's catch up. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm real good. I just want to answer uh, Dale for a second. Dale is correct. Uh, being self-published, you can do a lot more unless you find a publisher that is willing to work with you. Uh, I happen to be one of those types of publishers. Um, I, I'm, I'm growing. The business is growing. We're doing two to four books a month now. Uh, and we just acquired a literary agency uh, in the end of December that we're still trying to figure out what to do with. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we, we acquired, uh, Golden West Literary, uh, which is basically, um, we control titles of Western authors who have passed away. So we're trying to figure out what to do with that. Uh, but in circle publications is growing. It, we're just growing leaps and bounds. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. Very, very interesting. That sounds a little bit like what Jeff is doing with his client, bringing a book that the person is deceased who started it and they're no longer around. And, and so you're doing those titles. So are you going to re, uh, republish them, Eddie, or start a, a campaign for them? What, just some, mostly, what's your thought? Some of them we will republish, you know, with, with the, okay, with the families that we have mm -hmm. to deal with. And some we will try to get into large print. That seems to be a big marketplace for old Westerns and things like that. Uh, maybe try to get into audio, these titles into audio. The, the beauty about getting, on, getting this agency is it's opening doors for Encircle Publications as well 
because I'm able to use the contacts that they had and try to get our titles into different places for more reach. So it sounds like a collaborative acquisition. Good for you. Uh, any thought on getting screenplays written and bringing back the genre <laughs> of the old Western? I, I'm talking, I'm actually talking to some movie production companies about mm -hmm. stuff like that. Absolutely. Haven't gotten anywhere, but I'm talking. <laughs> Interesting. I uh, On my Monday night uh, creativity show, which I do under another name, Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives with AKA Radio Rare. That's me sometimes. Uh, I had the, the lady who wrote, wrote the teleplay for Hallmark Hall of Fame Valentine movie starring the late Betty White and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And it was one of the most viewed of the Hallmark. And she's a, a producer for CBS and all kinds of uh, producer and writer. And it was interesting that she wrote that teleplay. So just, just throwing that in there, very interesting. What you do with, what you do with content that has an appeal, right? How many ways, and that's something we've all talked about, right, Eddie? How do you? And, that, and that's huge, even for the self-publishing <laughs> author, it's huge to go out there and try to put it in different formats. The more formats you put your, your uh, story out in, the better you're going to do. Yes, and just reference point, the lady's name is Marianne Redini Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R, if you've ever heard of her, very talented lady. Let's go to our quotes. I've asked each of you to send me a quote you never <laughs> sent me before. From a Everybody says, that's the hardest part about being on your show, Bonnie. From a fictional quote from a character in a movie or TV show or a song lyric, and Barbara Struna has selected one of our favorites. This phrase is used to wish an individual or group good luck or goodwill. As you leave somebody, as you're facing an impending challenge, it was used, here's the clue, 16 times in seven Star Wars movies. It's usually attributed to Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi master at the heart of the original Star Wars movie. Was it really 1977, Barbara? Oh, my goodness. But Obi never said it. It was really said by a minor character, General Dodonna, as he dismisses the rebel troops before their siege of the Death Star. And it may be coming from a Catholic phrase George Lucas picked up, may the Lord be with you. Interesting. Here's the phrase, may the force be with you. I don't care who said it. It's a wonderful quote. Barbara, what does this have to do with our topic today? Go ahead. Well, I've been thinking about it, and I'm, I really am a big Star Wars fan. My sons are, my kids are, and they actually work for Bad Robot in Hollywood, who did the last Star Wars and so on. So um, there were a lot of secrets that they couldn't tell their mom, but... I, um, I was very patient with him. But anyway, it's, it's a great uh, phrase that we all use in our family also. And um, as far as a self-published uh, author or even a published author, you, you know, they may take classes, they may go to conferences, conventions, and then they say, bye, and you're on your own. And so that's where may the force be with you. All the things that you've gotten together and gleaned from networking and all kinds of things, you have to go home. It's still a solitary profession. You still have to go home and look at all those things and, and go through your notes. And you're hoping that what you learn or that force is with you. And that's what I think it's, it's great for any writer, uh, specifically self-publishing, because there's nobody behind you pushing, you know, keep yep. going, keep going. There isn't, unless you're in a writer's group, it's not the same. It's Would not the same as coming from a very uh, uh, educational standpoint of what to do and what not to do. 
Thank you, Barbara. Would you all say that being a writer and novelist is one of the loneliest professions? Sometimes it is. Dale, Dale, go ahead, Barbara, then Dale, go. I I was going to say sometimes it is because you are sitting by yourself and you just, I look forward to my writer group that I, that I meet with. Uh, uh, It used to be twice. It's now uh, once a week now, but I'm so eager to have somebody else read it. Not me, because I know where the, the, the phrases go and the commas in the, they don't know it. So when they read it back to me, I can hear those problems. And I said, oh, that's not right. Something's wrong there, you know, or whatever. So I look forward to that. And it's, you know, and if I didn't have those writer groups, uh, it would be difficult. You know. So we could change the quote to may the force of your writing group be with you. There we go. <laughs> yes, so. uh, Dale, Dale, just briefly comment. Yes. The wonderful thing, it's lonely when you're doing it by yourself, but there are so many organizations with wonderful people, the Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, uh, the uh, New England Horror Writers, the New Hampshire Writers Project, all the main groups. Um, I've joined these groups, and I have found such a wonderful uh, supportive community that it's not lonely. I, I am engaging with so many people all over New England and other parts of the country when I go to conferences, and it's just wonderful. You have people supporting you and helping you and just speaking your language. Thank now, you. I gonna, let me step back a little bit and say the actual writing process. Yes is lonely. That's what I was thinking. And Barbara, to your point, I wrote, I wrote three romantic comedy plays that I produced in my TV studio on Long Island several years ago with community actors, green screen. It was a lot of fun, came out really nicely. And I, I brought the scripts to a writing group. I started, not a writing group, a cold, I called it a cold read, a comedy cold read salon and mm-hmm. i had between 10 and 25 people and i put a bunch of roll doll scripts uh, monologues uh, dialogue scenes with multiple characters and some of mine on a table people would grab a script take five minutes to read it and then we somebody would volunteer and we'd put their chair in the middle of the circle and they would act out what they said that's really a cold read but a couple of people picked one of my scripts and i listened to it and i said wow that's really good who wrote that <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. And I said, that's a really funny line. Oh, it's mine. What a thrill to hear it. And I loved it. I really liked it. And that was that was quite a kick. So, Dale, go ahead. That's why audiobooks are such a blessing. Transmitting what we've done as e- either ebooks in print, when it's out in audio, it sounds terrific. You get professional narrators. Uh, I use Audible, an Amazon program, but there are many, many others. And the work sounds, sometimes you're like, did I write that? That's so good. (laughs) Yes, that was really, really cool. Jeff has been waiting patiently. Jeff, we're getting to you. I have Jeff's quote. It's from Jaskier. I never heard of this before. Jaskier, J-A-S-K-I-E-R, played by Joey Beatty, a traveling bard. The show is The Witcher, W-I-T-C-H-E-R, a Polish-American fantasy drama streaming television series in 2019 and 2021. And I'm just going to stop there and read the quote. I'm scared that one day the muses will stop speaking to me because who we are when we can no longer do the one thing we were put on this continent to do, who are we? Oh, Jeff, this is deep. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? 
Well, first off, Bonnie, I want to mention you might not be familiar with the name Jaskier because I'm sure you're more used to the version of this character in the Witcher video games where his name is Dandelion. So uh, I just want to clear <laughs> of up course, that. Of course <laughs> I am. Absolutely. I'm an avid Dandelion video game player. Sure. I got but, my gaming console right here. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> but I think what what we're, what the this bard character is speaking to here is is something that uh, I, I want to help kill, if I can, for, for authors, that is kill this concept of the muse, because uh, it's really just the inverse of um, writer's block. Like, both this idea of the muse and writer's block both uh, envision, like, your success or failure as coming from some force outside of you, right? Like, rather than, like, being able to... Uh, you know, succeed based on like your, your internal, like confidence and perseverance. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I run into a lot of writers who are kind of afraid of losing their inspiration or, you know, just kind of waiting around for inspiration to strike or any kind of these variations that like, just really like slow creative folks down. And, uh, you know, if, if through my like, career at some point, I can convince some people to kind of take that power of the muse uh, uh, for themselves and to kind of build their own muse uh, for themselves to be able to use whenever they want to, uh, not in like a, a, a weird way, but uh, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so why not? Why, why not? Sometimes I just got inspiration for another story right there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's, that one's free, Dale. <laughs> the writing muse. Thank you very much, Jeff. Before we get to the quotes from Dale and Eddie, I'm going to introduce our sponsor today. We're so happy to have NordVPN. Does anybody on my panel use a VPN? Virtual private network? No? Well, I'm going to tell you about it in a minute here. I can access content from over 59 different countries by changing my virtual location with one click. And who doesn't love one click? I live here in the U.S. in North Carolina, but with NordVPN, I could be anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. And why does it matter? Well, I love French language crime detective shows or detective crime shows. Barbara, I think you remember this. And I have a favorite show called Candice, Candice Renoir, like the painter. She is fabulous. She's a, uh, she was a detective, wonderful detective, went away to have children, a whole bunch of them in 10 years and came back and nobody wanted to work with her. And it's like, what are you doing here? And all of a sudden they stopped making fun of her, disrespect for her. And then they start to say, wow, she's really, really sharp at what she does. So I can watch one of my favorite French language shows, Candice Renoir, on French streaming services. If I'm outside the U.S., if I travel again, I still have access to all of my U.S. streaming services. So I will not miss my favorite shows. Geo restrictions, no longer an issue because you can change your remote location with one click, super easy to use. So here's the call to action. Grab your exclusive NordVPN, that's N-O-R-D VPN. Grab the deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash, and here's the, the word for my show. Here's the special word, TechRev. That stands for Technology Revolution, T-E-C-H-R-E-V. So it's nordvpn.com slash T-E-C-H-R-E-V, or just go there and use the code TechRev. And you're going to get a big discount. Actually, they tell me it's a huge discount off your NordVPN plan. You're going to get one additional month for free. Jeff, we love for free, right? And you're going to get a bonus gift. 
Barbara, we love bonus gifts, right? It's completely risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee. So thank you, NordVPN, for being, being here with us. This is our third week having you as a sponsor on the show, and I'm very happy you are here. So let's go to Dale T. Phillips. Dale has sent us a quote from Roy Miller, played by the wonderful Tom Cruise. The movie is Night, K-N-I-G-H-T and Day, 2010 American action comedy film, and it stars the beautiful and very, very funny on occasion, Cameron Diaz. And here's the line. I heard this. Another guest used this on a different show a while ago, Dale, and I absolutely loved it. This has become one of my favorite quotes. Someday, that's a dangerous word. It's really just a code for never. Ooh, get chills. Dale, mm -hmm. take two minutes. We have so much to do. What do you think of this? Why'd you pick it? Thank you. Uh, most people have wishes of what they'd like to do, but they do not turn them into goals and plans with uh, steps that they can do. They did a Harvard study on goals, and only 10% had real goals for what they wanted for the future. 3% of the class wrote down specifically what they wanted. And years later, they came back, and do you know what? Those 3% scored, outscored in success rates the entire rest of the class because they knew what they wanted, they set a plan, and they set about doing it. If you do that in independent publishing with your writing career, figure out what you want, not just, I want to sell a million copies. Figure out, what am I going to produce this year? What kind of content am I going to get out? How am I going to produce it? If you set those steps, you set a plan, you're going to be far more successful. But if you just go, I want to write a book someday, you haven't really done anything. And you don't attend to it every day. When you have a plan and you're marking off and you're using milestones, you're using steps, you are bound to be far more successful than, gee, I wish I could. Stephen King has a, a great response for people go, oh, I want to write a book someday. And he goes, yes, and I'd like to be a brain surgeon someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, just well, as some people would say he is already. <laughs> exactly. Yes, he does work on your brain very much. So there you go. So there, Stephen King. We 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 gave you a new profession there. Thank you very much, Dale. Eddie Vincent has picked a three-word quote. Love this one. Dory, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. Dory is a regal blue tang, a plucky, forgetful fish with a short-term memory loss, but she remembers what she does best in the movie, of course, Finding Nemo, tw 2003. What? That's almost. 20 years ago. That's not possible. American, boy, are we getting off. Never mind. American computer animated adventure film, and the line is just keep swimming. Swimming, 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 just keep swimming, 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 swimming. Eddie, rescue me. Talk to me. Self publishing. What are we talking about? Well, in the self publishing world, you just have to keep at it. You just go and go and go. The, everything's against you until you go forward. And you just need to keep going forward. Don't give up. This is all about not giving up, finding your audience, finding a way, finding your team. It's just keep going. It's just work at it and keep going. It will finally be successful. That's really all that comes down to. Thank you. And, and isn't it true with your business as well? Publishing, Eddie, just keep, just keep doing what you're oh, doing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Keep going, you know, for a small press, you know, like myself, um, it's finding new ways. It's just keep going. Don't give up, you know, believe in yourself, believe in the people you're publishing. All of that is important. Um, you know, we're not the big five, you know, and our sales aren't in the hundred thousands, you know, so we just have to keep going forward and believe in what we're doing. 
And that's just keep the swimming. root of it. No short-term memory there. Just keep swimming. Keep Put going. one yeah. arm in front of... I want to make everybody do a swimming motion, but I'm not going to do that <laughs> to you because I like you all too much. So let's go to our predictions. We've got a lot to cover. Let's keep these to two minutes apiece. I'm going to say, if you have any comments on somebody else's prediction, raise your hand in just a one-minute remark because I want to get a lot of these in. I know we've had so much good stuff to talk about already. Barbara Struner has sent me her prediction number one. I'm just going to read a little bit. She says, the use of AI technology, that's artificial intelligence, in case you don't know what that is, will become more prevalent with self-published authors and publishers. Barbara? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating um, idea, AI technology, uh, in regards to writing books, because um, there are apps out there that can help us, and we know that, like Grammarly. Everybody uses Grammarly. You put on autocorrect, and um, it just it just helps you a little bit, you know, with your grammar and so on and how to uh, 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 write proper sentences. Um, but the AI technology is very interesting because uh, there are uh, there are a few programs out there that can actually if you put in a plot into this program, it will write the whole book for you, period. Now. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And, um, Jeff's out of a job. Yeah. And for, for example, um, you take uh, uh, James Patterson. He doesn't use that, but he uses real people. So he will devise a plot, and he will then hire a co-writer who will fill it in. And so that's why he can put out one to two books a year, if not more. And so he's not really using the robot technology but he's using a human technology, so to speak. And so um, the average writer or the middle mid list writer, so to speak, you can't do that really. And I personally think that's a big ethical question that we have to ask. Do we give credit to say, yes, I use this particular program to finish my book. I don't know. I'm not going to say I use Grammarly to help me finish my grammar. I'm not going to say that. But when when a, a program can actually write the whole book for you, if you just put in uh, if, uh, the plot, in a, a synopsis, a very short paragraph, it will just take it and run. And it's very interesting because you be are we should we be afraid of it? First of all, will it take our job? No, I don't think so because. Just like we shouldn't be afraid of our phone or, or our technology, the computer, it's how you use those tools. So you can use them. I don't know if I would go as far as putting in my plot and letting it write it. I don't think I would do that. But you know those little uh, CAPTCHA things that they put out for your security when you go onto yeah. a site and you have the, to say- The I'm robot, not, I'm not a robot. They yeah. give you the questions to pick out. Yep. All those, all that data, goes into making the robot think like us. So we're helping this AI technology to come to fruition eventually in our lives more and more by answering these questions. It's very interesting. We're doing it all on our own. And all the data that we put out and in to uh, ask questions, answer questions, it's all being fed. Now, the one good thing is that you can write a book using this but you'll never be able to impose your emotional intelligence mm-hmm. into it. Whereas a robot, it's getting there, 
but we hope that it's not going to come that far and take over completely. So it's a, just a prediction that we have to embrace it, use it for it, and then decide how are we going to give credit? Will we say anything or just keep quiet? Thank you. And that's machine learning. A human puts in an algorithm, puts in a program, and then machine learning adds the data to it. And they learn that's how they're teaching self-driving cars to know, to recognize a person crossing a road from an animal, from a raindrop in the side view mirror to a snowflake and to to danger ahead. I want to move on. Thank you, Barbara. Very interesting. Jeff Deck, here is an interesting prediction. You say more authors will become content factories to attract Netflix and the gang. Oh my, I wonder who the gang are, is or are. Jeff, talk to me. (laughs) Oh, gang simply shorthand for Hulu and Voodoo and Amazon Video and uh, the the million other uh, competitors in that space. Uh, Yeah, it's funny we're just talking about James Patterson because that's you know, he's one of the prime examples of, an, you know, an author that becomes, you know, goes from like the actual writer to like a brand name for a content factory with multiple people writing, you know, stories under that brand. And I think this is going to be a really growing sector that people are going to want to take advantage of, or, you know, at least the people who can afford armies of, you know, writers to create a content factory because these streaming services are in the competition with each other are so hungry for churning out new content that, uh, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, sources of, of new video content for movies, shows is, uh, you know, adaptations of, of written works. So, if they, you know, can build a, a a following and a reputation for churning out, you know, the video equivalent as hits, then uh, that's going to be part of more of these, like, you know, uh, brand name authors, business models. We have to become a brand name first, though, in, in a lot of cases. Yes, very, very well put. And I've done some shows with some of you may have been on the, them uh, here on Technology Revolution talking about in order for a crime novel, detective novel, thrill, thriller, whatever you want to talk about, a mystery to be successful, do you need to have it turned into a screenplay, a teleplay and produced as a series? Is the series the ultimate, the penultimate success of, yes, I've got a character, I've done 10 books or three series, and now they're on the screen. And by the way, one of my rules of thumb, and this is just happenstance over the years, is the series I gravitate to and enjoy the most have a single name in the title of the series. Ah, Mm. Nikita, Shooter, Bosch. Mm. I just started River. I haven't seen that one. I just started Goliath with Billy Billy Bob. And I tell you, it is so filmed in the dark. So many scenes are in absolute pitch dark where you can barely see somebody's eyes or a hand or or a motion in back. And you're, you're literally straight. Out, what just happened? Oh, I know who that is. Anyway, it's a, it's a challenge. But I just have just realized that I found it the other day. I know it's years old. And uh, uh, Leverage, another one. I love these shows. They just happen to have a single word title. It's the name of a person or something that's happening in the show. And that, that attracts me. Jeff, did you have something you want to say before I move on? Yeah, just like even if you take out the screen element altogether, you know, the adaptation element, like series are going to be the most, uh, you know, efficient way to get successful in self-publishing because, 
you know, readers like reading about the same, you know, same world or the same characters. And, you know, for, for mysteries, you're going to have the same detectives with the, you know, fantasy, you're going to have the same, you know, hero on different adventures, like what have you, like that series structure is, is huge in like building a self-published, uh, you know, fan base. And I'll tell you another series I just figured, I love French detective shows, as you know, uh, with the English translations, because I used to speak French fairly well. So there's something called Murder Inn. And there are seasons and seasons, there are like 50 shows. And each show is a different detective team, whether it's a father and daughter, husband and wife, uh, two people who used to know each other, uh, subordinate and, and their leader, somebody who just happens to be busting from another town in France to be a partner with this person. And the backdrops are just gorgeous. The scenery is beautiful, but each episode is a different pair of detectives. And what I've learned to do is to scan the episode pictures. I think it's Nef I think it's Prime. Scan them to see if I recognize the actors. I have some favorite actors I've seen on other French language shows, and I want to see what they're doing as a different character. So I will skim and say, "Oh, there's Thibault from the show about the French uh, uh, the French marketing agent. It was an advertising agency, and he was the the lead protagonist guy." And then there's a. Uh, a woman who's a little person, I think is named Mary Mathy, and she is a wonderful, she's about four foot tall, she's a wonderful lead detective in these shows, and she's charming and beautiful, and she's just terrific, and she deals with the issues of what she looks like in the shows. And then uh, uh, Sarah Martins, who's been on many shows, I love these shows, so I'm, not, I'm learning to pick and choose which one, they're not connected. It's a series, but they're not connected. Each one is a 90-minute standalone. Anyway, let's move on. So that's a recommendation if anybody wants it. Dale T. Phillips, I'm looking at prediction number three. You say, in the past, many authors relied on agents to handle all their rights. And here's the prediction. Future authors will need easy and affordable access to competent intellectual property attorneys. I'm going to stop there. Dale, two minutes. Talk to me. What is this about, please? Thank you. Yes, this builds on what uh, Jeff has brought up. In the past, agents might or might not actually bring you a deal that they got. And now the trouble is, is that content is unlimited. You could, you could license pieces of your work for songs, video games, uh, stage plays and readings, like you said, uh, television, movies, radio, podcasts, whatever. And the, the trouble is, is if you're relying on someone else, they may go, well, that deal's not worth it for me to work on because I'm not getting enough money for it. Mm -hmm. And... By dealing directly, you are able to figure out the deal yourself. So once we get easy access to intellectual property attorneys who know how to get to the people to, to license off this content pieces, we'll be much better off. Uh, some of that is like they have a big show in Las Vegas uh, where you come in, uh, you show them what you have for content and be able to talk to people and try to do it. It's not just the streaming services uh, like Jeff was saying, but it's far more. And yes, the more content you, good content you have with series or with a number of different works and a number of different aspects and you're adaptable, you're going to do so much better. But you, you're not just going to be able to sustain a career by having an agent, you know, do all the job for you and may or may not be a, a good uh, business person. Hmm. Very interesting. I know, Eddie, this is a little bit, you mentioned IP in one of your predictions. I wasn't going to use it, but let me just use it so you can comment, Eddie, and then I'm going to go to another one. Eddie says, small presses will start making inroads in the IP rights area to maximize profits for their titles. Eddie, you want to comment on that, please? Well, it's much like what Dale and Jeff were saying. <clears throat> you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to start 
contacting these producers, these audio professionals to make these contracts for your books. And, and the more formats you're in, the better. Eventually, depending on what you do, if, if you got a movie deal, you'll have to get a lawyer involved. But a lot of this can be done without lawyers. You know, I would say on a movie, you would want a lawyer. But on the audio and stuff, it's just giving them the subrights to, to take your book. And that can all be done directly with an independent author and a company. Thank you very much. Good for that. And Eddie, I want to go to your prediction three now, which is the one I had originally picked. You say the supply chain for producing books will not recover quickly and publishers will be looking for new sources to meet their needs. That's where I want to go. Eddie, predict for me, please. What does this all mean? Well, right now, because of what's going on in the world with COVID and, and such, um, the just the getting paper has been a struggle for the large presses. Uh, like Maple Press and places like that. Um, so presses, small and large, are going to try to find other ways of producing their book on a smaller scale with smaller printers, or they're going to go more on a print-on-demand, like with Ingram Spark and things like that. I'd, right now, it's just the paper. You can't get paper. You can't get people to actually do the work because they're homesick. And it's affecting, it is affecting the book business a lot right at the moment. Thank you. Didn't even think about that on the physical part of the supply chain. Dale, talk. One of the big problems was that over half the books printed aren't ever sold and read. They're just simply destroyed and returned by bookstores. You know, they tear the covers off and pulp the books and return for credit. So much of that paper is totally being wasted. With independent publishing, so small companies such as Eddie, smaller print runs or print on demand eases much of that. So adaptable uh, people and companies are going to be better off than the giants who try to demand uh, a supply that they don't have. Interesting. Save the trees. Save save the book. Save the people. By the way, there's I occasionally indulge in watching TikTok. We're going to get to your prediction in a second, Barbara, which includes that and um, uh, all kinds of hacks and interesting things. But somebody was saying if you want to have a really cool planter or even a magazine holder or a place to put your wet umbrellas when people come, take the book jacket off of a book you really like and attach it around just a glass or plastic container you get at the dollar store. Just glue it together and you've got a, an interesting uh, piece that people will notice if anybody comes to your house like, oh, look at that. We've got a, a wet umbrella holder with James Cameron or with uh, somebody, some famous author. Isn't that cool? Did you read that book? And it's a conversation starter. Just thought about that as far as recycling the paper. Let's go to, thank you, Eddie, for that. Uh, Barbara, I'm looking at prediction number three. This is interesting. You say social media will move to video, TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook, My Story. The opportunities associated with digital marketing and promotion in the publishing world are seemingly endless, and self-publisher needs to be aware of what to do. Barbara, please. Well, um, my, my, uh, my sons uh, introduced me to TikTok, and I, I knew about it. And then my granddaughters said, Ma, uh, Grandma, look at this, and so on. And so I paid attention to it. And uh, my youngest son, who's 29 out in Hollywood, said, yeah. He said, you know, you'll get more reaction from a little TikTok video or a uh, Facebook reel or your story 
And, uh, and I said, okay, I guess I'll try. So I did. I tried a, a quick uh, Facebook reel and a TikTok of me walking up an echoing staircase. And all I did was put hashtag suspense and then my books. Well, I got so many hits on this little tiny little that I did myself, just watch, walking up the stairs, echoing, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's very interesting. I got about 20 more followers and stuff. And so it is really an important thing. It's hard to, to start it because you, you'll flip through these reels, these on Facebook or on Instagram, and they go fast and they go quick. But he gave me some, if you pick out certain music that everybody uses, it pushes you up into the people because that is a, a common music theme. So you, you're really going to have to, to uh, start to get out towards your uh, social, to your readers with social media and all this Instagram. And it, it really does work. It's not so much words, it's pictures, it's videos, and it's just maybe one picture, but something moving on it. And uh, it's, it's a little crazy, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's the way to go. It and TikTok is. is not for kids anymore. There are more adults on there than ever before. So you'd be oh, surprised. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I indulge maybe once or twice a week. Uh, Dale wrote in the chat here, he says, Book Talk, B-O-O-K, capital right. T-O-K, is right. a subset that seems to work. Jeff wants me to read the whole thing on his prediction. So, Jeff, I'm looking at prediction <laughs> number two. Of course, he's next. Metaverse writer conferences and conventions are aspiring authors' new nightmares. I'm going to read the rest, Jeff. I will do that for you. Think it's tough navigating the social dynamics of in-person writer conferences and conventions? Does this agent at the bar want to hear about my manuscript? Worn out by virtual author conventions on Zoom? Just wait until writer conferences hit the metaverse. Prepare to be judged by your choice of avatar, the length of your blockchain, the missing emotes you were <laughs> emotes you were too cheap to pay for. You will have to pay a VIP premium or sold. Here we go, Barbara. Or I've sold at least thirty thousand copies of your books for your avatar to have a mouth and the power of speech. I think we need a whole show on this, and I'm, I can give you three minutes because we're almost done. Jeff, this is fine. I should have picked this one first. Jeff, go ahead. <laughs> so I mean, this is a little tongue in cheek, obviously, but uh, just Im imagining, you know, as as we're all being sold on this, like, move to, uh, you know, the, the, like a fully virtual space, just imagining how some of these activities are, are, are going to translate. And I feel like a lot of it is going to be, like, even more kind of, like, social class based and, like, you know, economic means based than, than you know, we are, we're already seeing in, in the real world in, in meat space, you know, in virtual space, uh, um, I think it's it it could potentially be even harder to uh, to make the connections that you would need to make uh, at you know something like a conference that relies so heavily on those kind of like chance connections and uh, you know uh, moments of chemistry. Interesting. And and doesn't this Jeff? We just have a couple of minutes. Doesn't this also involve the? Uh, the demographic cohort, if I can use that big term, of who is on those, who, who is out there, who is watching, listening. Is that the audience you really want? Uh, does Bar do Barbara's mysteries really lend themselves to, is she looking to market to the people who would say, your avatar can't talk because you didn't sell enough books, but Barbara Strun has sold 40,000, so her <laughs> avatar has a mouth and it can talk. So is this, is this uh, you know, they say with rock and roll, I'm a kid of the rock and roll era, we need to teach it to our grandchildren, to their children, to our adult children. Enjoy the beat 
Beatles, enjoy the Rolling Stones, keep the music going. So should we be, should all of you want to market to different demographics, even people who are too young to get, Dale, we can hear you typing, can hear some of the cultural references. <laughs> Dale, just talk to me for a second. I've got one minute. Dale, talk, please. Unmute, love. Harlan Ellison has a classic, iconic story called, I have no mouth and I must scream. <laughs> okay, well, that kind of. <laughs> well, if my avatar doesn't have a mouse and I can't say anything, I am being denied, and that's what people are going to want to get is they're going to be pushed off the branding of many of these things because yes. they don't do all the things necessary. Yes, I guess the question is how much time do you spend on these portions of social mm -hmm. and of the metaverse and, and what do you do? And Barbara, to what lengths do you walk up that staircase and show your books? And the answer is why not? Barbara, I'm going to go find you and follow you on TikTok. I'm very was, honored to know a real person. Barbara, 30 seconds. Go ahead. I was going to just say real quick um, that, um, you know, with the uh, Internet, social media, you can really pinpoint with your hashtags who you want to test. Mm -hmm specifically send this message to mm -hmm. that's the beauty of going up to somebody at the conference and you don't really know if they're interested in reading what you do you know so but you can send these messages with hashtags to hashtag suspense hashtag i'm a successful author hashtag read my books damn it hashtag i want to get to fifty thousand copies would you please buy my book targeted marketing yes dale and dale you got a shout out from aaron keller our engineer he says lol dale and three minutes left so i want to give you each believe it or not i want to give you one sentence of prediction of if we met again and i know i'll have you all back if we met again let's say in december of this year 2022 what would change in in your world one sentence what's the thing you predict would change in terms of public i got two minutes so quickly barbara one sentence i don't know what i would change that, okay that's good that's fine that's fine i think i stay the same doing just what i'm doing because i'm okay. having success thank you jeff deck one sentence i'm going to be helping a lot more Authors write their novels faster. Thank you. Eddie Vincent. Uh, just in, we will increase sales over time. I like that. Dale Phillips. I have a list of hundreds of things I should be doing to sell more books. And it's all about getting engaged with these media, these different applications going out here. But to me, with a day job and the writing and the promotion, there's still not enough time. But I will try to get some of those done working through the list. Dale, the master of one sentence that went on for 30 seconds. Thank you very much. Remember, everybody, <laughs> our sponsor is Nord, N-O-R-D-V-P-N. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash techrev. That's the code for my show, T-E-C-H-R-E-V. Get a huge discount on your NordVPN. One additional month free, one bonus gift, and it's risk-free completely with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. I want to thank Barbara Epic-Struner. Always a delight to speak with you, Barbara. I learned so much. Thank you, Jeff Deck. Thank you very much, Eddie Vincent and Dale T. Phillips, you've got the middle initial, so I put you last because I'm Bonnie D. There you go. And I thank you to my engineer, Aaron Keller, engineer extraordinaire. So I want you all to do me a favor now, a little homework assignment. I don't think we did that. I want you to wag your finger. Everybody raise your hand and stick around for pictures. If somebody says to you, the future is already here, I want you on the count of three to join me and say, no, no, no. One, two, three. No, 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 no. 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 Why? Because that was yesterday's future and today's future isn't here yet. And we're going to be making it a better one, all of us together. Wave goodbye. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 
Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 